Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to the Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here across the table from me, as right. always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. We're getting better at that. I know. It's like I said, <laughs> we we dev- we were so used to a certain way. Yeah, and it only took so many episodes in the new studio right. to retraining the mind. You're yeah, not on the so. left anymore, right. man. Here we are in the fifth week of Lent, dude. Uh, Lent is flying by, but mm-hmm. hopefully, these shows we've been putting down have been helping people and. Uh, in their Lenten journey and contemplating Lent in a different way. I hope it has. It's been helping me uh, as I go, as I've gone back and listened to them and see what the Lord's done in them. And, um, you know, I know last week, man, we, uh, we, we had an emotional show and and I want to talk about that here in just a second. Um, before we jump into the show though, I really want to, um, call everybody's attention back to the pilgrimage. We've got uh, about a month, a little over a month before we're going to go to the Holy Land. We still have some room. So there's five or six spots in there. If you're interested in going to the Holy Land with me and Father Larry Richards, you can go to our website at justagownthepew.com. Grab those remaining spots. We want to have a full trip. And we just know we're going to have a great time. And we invite everyone who's even thinking about it to go and check it out. Call Select Travel, our wonderful travel partners, and tell them you want to go with us or at least that you want to check out what's going to be going on. Consider it. Give it to the Lord and join us because we want to fill up that trip. You'll get to hang out with my amazing wife and all that stuff, which will be better than being with me, I promise. But check that out on the website. Also, people have been asking, where are you going? What are you doing? We have that events and in, in, uh, book me page where you can go and look at that. You can click the calendar. It'll show you the full calendar. We've got a lot of uh, follow-up events to men's conferences. We've got leader summits. We've got parish missions. All the way scheduled now, I think, through this, almost December of this year. So go in there and check out if we're coming to your area. We'd love to see you. And if you're a guy who wants a mission, who wants to uh, start a men's group, who wants us to come to your parish and speak and, and, and you know, help uh, just help bring hearts back to the Lord and, and build places for men to come into relationship with each other the way we've talked about it in groups and authentic friendship, then go there and check out that page. You can see the events, and then you can also plan to have your own. But, uh, Victor, you know, I said a second ago, you know, we had the emotional show last week, and, you know, in all honesty, you and I didn't know what we were going to do. I just said I, I, I feel the Lord's wanting us to talk about brokenness, and I didn't know it was going to be 48 minutes, and I certainly didn't know the Lord was going to have me crying on the air right. and pouring myself out the way he did and, and, and allowing you to pour yourself out the way you did. But we had so many emails and, and people sharing that, and, you know, man, this really helped me, and, and people just – just the kind words that you know here locally, but even you know through email and everything else that were shared on just how emotional it was and the call it was to realize that our brokenness shouldn't be something that keeps us from growing in our relationship with God. That He does He doesn't allow our brokenness to disqualify right. us, and we shouldn't either. So a lot of people have reached out and said, "Man, that was really moving," and and I've checked out more of your ministry, and I want to know how I can help. And honestly, Victor, like the best way people can help right now is through monthly donations, through becoming a monthly supporter. Um, you know, I hate to talk about ministry as a business, but it really is in in reality, there is a business aspect to it. And, um, just like any other business to be able to run, to be able to function, to be able to forecast the future and see where, if you're able to do the things the Lord's calling us to do is when you know what you have coming in every month. And, 
you know, we always have at least one speaking engagement a month that we have a little bit of revenue coming in. But really what gives us that that idea to be able to forecast what we can do moving forward and how we can meet the need and help and bring other people on and grow the ministry is through knowing what we have coming in every month. It's a balance sheet, expenses versus, you know, mm-hmm. money coming in, revenue coming in. So when people ask that, I just want to be honest, and I hate talking about money and all those things, but it is a big part of it. It's 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 a huge part of how we continue to move forward and how we continue to grow. And as I said, monthly donations are the best way that we can really get a fix and an idea on that and keep moving forward in the way that God wants us to. So I just simply invite all of you. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of you that give monthly and who donate, whether it's five dollars, a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, two fifty, you know, and everything in between. Uh, thank you for that because that's what's allowing us to start stepping out, putting that toe out in the water, if you will, with not knowing how deep it is. Um, <laughs> Your, your support's allowed us to really trust that we can take some of these steps. But, um, you know, if you haven't considered giving, if you've been moved by this ministry, if you've been a part of a men's group we've started, if you've listened to all these podcasts and you feel your heart moved and your life has changed because of it and you want to give back, then I simply ask you to consider joining and uh, as our, our monthly support team. Uh, you could do that by going to donorbox.org slash pew. That is donorbox.org slash pew. You can also go to our website, and there's a support button in the corner up there. You can click that and choose whatever you can give on a monthly level. There's a one-time and a monthly. It's not to discount monthly or one-time gifts. We enjoy those. We love those. We need those. But we're really trying to see what we can garner every month. We have a goal of trying to get to you know $15,000 a month in monthly donations so we can really project out and start – building more of this ministry, getting more support with people that can help us do what we do, bring on more uh, people that help funnel through and and, and, and and go through these opportunities that we've been asked to do, uh, to set those up and really to, to continue leadership support after we've been somewhere. So there's lots of things we're trying to do. We're also building video series with Dr. Bob Schutz and all these other things that take financial support. So don't want to harp on those things too long. Just want to say, if you really want to know how you can help, the honest question, the honest answer to that question is by giving, by supporting what we're doing, because it's going to allow us to do more and to reach more people. So, Victor, I know we've been going long on those here lately, talking about a lot of different things. Just wanted to cover the most important thing right now, which is that financial support, which allows us to keep going out and doing these missions and and building better programs and better not programs, but better functions of how we're going to mm-hmm. go out and do things and really bring our Lord to people in the way that we believe He's called us to do that. So, moving out of that. And into the episode, you know, Victor, I just want to be honest. I mean, I told you and Angela seen it all day. Um, the episode last week must have been really powerful. I know things have been coming in, but um, it's been really hard to figure out how to move forward after that episode. Uh, you know, I spent time reading Dr. Bob's books. I'm involved in healing uh, in the JP2 Healing Center work and things like that now. Um, and I thought, you know, well, okay, we'll transition to this. But it's been almost like there's been a spiritual block um, mm-hmm. as I've been trying to think about what we're called to do in this episode and where we're supposed to go next. And um, even today, just giving a lot of time to sitting down and really putting to this, it just, I was almost lamenting to the Lord, like, why is there not an easy path to go? And why is this hard to find? And why, why is something not just painted, you know, in bright colors on the wall for me to go, oh, that's it. And, you know, I just think sometimes when we, when, when things have made an impact or ripple, you know, you have more of the attention of the evil and the devil's on mm-hmm. you and, and his minions and, and trying to sort of put up that spiritual blind, if you will, to where you can't see where the Lord is calling. So went to Adoration Day, Mass, all those things, and just really poured my heart out to the Lord. And 
he he brought me back to our our gospel reading yesterday, right? Our readings in um, uh, the gospel reading with the 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 raising of Lazarus, and it just kind of hit me. Even though I don't have the whole picture, even to this moment of what we're going to go and where we're going to go today, it just really hit me that wow, in our brokenness, we talked about that and poured that out last week, and just you know really lamented and shared with people not to let that be. Uh, uh, you know, a faltering place or a a stumbling stone on their way to growing their relationship with Jesus. And then this very next week, we see the reading of where Jesus is actually resurrecting someone, bringing them out of a out of death. And while he does that for Lazarus in in, in physical death, it's what he longs to do in our, in us in our spiritual death mm-hmm. and the places where we've chosen to walk away from him, in the places where you know we've chosen to choose things other than him, and yet he's still there standing outside the tomb of our own uh, hearts where we've buried ourselves and rolled stones in front of them. And and he's yelling at us, come out, come out this Sunday, you know, this past Sunday in this gospel reading. So, you know, I just want to, I just think it's such a God moment to see that, 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 you know, without me looking ahead to the gospel, it's just boom, here it is. And, and as I sat in mass yesterday and listened to father uh, Gallagher's homily, you know, he used a quote that is very near and dear to my heart, and, and it's one from St. Irenaeus, and it's the glory of God is, fully, is man fully alive. It's near and dear to me because when I was asked to speak the first time here in Memphis, that was the theme of the conference. Mm-hmm. And that was a quote that they asked me to really tie into the to what I was speaking about in my witness. And, you know, I look over my life over the last few years, last seven years, and and I think that I have been closer to becoming a man fully alive. I think that's what God wants from us. And and, and so today I just kind of want to run through this whole scene of Jesus and Lazarus and, and Jesus weeping and what that means for us as the church and, and to us individually and then kind of tie it into what it means to become a man fully alive as we journey through this Lent to Good Friday, right? And then to Easter Sunday where we become and we shout with joy, hallelujah, that right. we're an Easter people and this is the rest of our life, this resurrected life. Well, the great thing about the Holy Spirit because it's tied in the Gospels Christ is doing something, but there's also something else that's kind of like he knows there's this connection between God and his and himself. Well, as we were talking about you know, earlier about, you know, when we talk about it, when we get to each other, we talk about what God does, and when people listen, the Holy Spirit is very good at catching us unawares. And when he catches unawares, there's a great movement internally as well as externally. So when we read the Gospels, we're looking at kind of the amazing aspect of what happens, what's unfolding for those that are following Jesus. But the thing about when Lazarus is, oh, I know we'll get to it, but when Lazarus yeah. is alive, you know, Christ is showing everybody what love is. Yeah. And demonstrating what love is in a very public way of a man that's been dead for, what, two, three days? Days, yeah, four days, I think four it's days, in the Gospel, yeah. yeah. And then everyone... You know, all, all, even though he knows he's he's going to do this, he's still weeping with them. Yeah, and that's the connection that he has with the people he loves. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, every time I read that, I just I mean, I know people go, well, that's the shortest verse in the Bible, and you know, and we kind of talk about Bible it like trivia. that. Yeah, yeah Bible, Bible trivia, trivia stuff. Yeah. But really, I mean, it should it should really open our eyes to to where God is in our sufferings and our struggles. You know, because I think a lot of times when we're hurt, when we're we feel um, like we're alone and we feel like we've gotten in this place where even today, and this is trivial compared mm-hmm. to where a lot of people are in their life, but just trying to put together a show and want to do the best that we can to serve people. I really was like lamenting the Lord, like, where are you? You know, I mean, we did so well last week, it seems, 
and you showed up for that. Why is it? Where's the struggle now? And 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 almost um, just weeping a little bit myself because I was like, mm-hmm. I, just the need to really want to help people the best I can, and and to feel like you know, well, where are you in this? Where are you this? Why aren't you helping me follow this up? And again, that's nowhere compared to where a lot of people are in their life and suffering. But I think a lot of times we can think like, why, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Or why are you abandoning me? As we hear Jesus cry from the cross, or we will next week. But I mean, the fact is God didn't abandon him and he never abandons us. Like Jesus is weeping with us in our struggles. And it may seem like he's far from us in our brokenness, in our wounds, in the sins, our, our, our repetitive sins that we can't get past, in our disgust and our shame with ourselves. But Jesus is standing right there all along. And, and I see it evidenced in my own prayer times with like Dr. Bob and going through these moments and Emmanuel moments to these, these places of great wounding where we've invited Jesus in and you come to the realization that like, man, it felt like he wasn't there, but in actuality he's shown himself that he was standing there right beside me the whole time. Um, there was, I'm reading his book called be restored right now. And it's all about sexual wounding and do some of the most terrible things you could ever think of that people did to, to others or mm-hmm. that was done to them. I mean, horrible, horrible things that you think there could be no healing coming from. And through the mercy of God and their willingness to seek restoration and, and then the gifts of Dr. Bob and people bringing them into the situation, families have been completely restored. And, and But some of the stories, like I even remember reading last night, um, just this one lady screaming out and screeching out, where were you, God, and not fully believing it, but continue to invite him in and then Bob says in the book, like her, her shrieks turned to like the laughter of a child because she started to realize that like Jesus was kneeling beside her bed where all these heinous acts happened to her and he was weeping and he was crying with her mm-hmm. and his, her, her, her cries of laughter, like a child were like, she was finally realizing he was there. He was there. And I think when we see this with Lazarus in the gospel, Jesus shows up and he weeps and it's crazy because he knows as God that he's going to resurrect him. But he still weeps because he still is, is human in that moment. He still feels the loss of his friend. And, and he feels the anguish of the loss of, mm-hmm. of Mary and Martha, of their brother. People he loved very much. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, people that he loved. And he feels that anguish. And, and so I think it's 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 very – and I feel, man, I, I don't know. I feel emotional right now again like he's going to make me cry in this episode. I promise you it's not a stunt or a ploy. It's just where he's mm-hmm. bringing me. But, but like to know that we have a God that loves us that so completely, that like isn't – you know, 10 miles away or, or light years away on the other side of a galaxy, you know, looking down, going, mm, sorry about that one. But where he's like right there in the midst of our struggles and he's right there and he's, it's almost like he's got his arm around us or he's squeezing our hand and he's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I think oftentimes we forget that he does truly understand because everything we feel in our sufferings, everything we feel in our brokenness, everything we feel in those moments of tremendous pain and, and anguish, he took on in the cross, right? So he's well aware of that. And, and his weeping is not only just for Lazarus, it's for us or Lazarus, it's for us and our, and his knowledge of, of our sin and of our brokenness. And, and often times too, I think, I mean, the cause of death was original sin. I mean, there was no plan for death in the original plan. It's our following in our continual following to sin and, 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 and moving away from the plan that God originally had for us that brings Jesus into these tears as well. It's like, man, that he didn't have to die, right? right? This wasn't the plan. And so I just, that part of this, I think is just so important because, you know, it should remind us of the love that God has for us as his adopted sons and daughters um, and how it pains us 
it pains him to see us suffer and how he doesn't want us to suffer in our wounds and brokenness. But when he does, he's right there suffering and weeping with us when we do. Right. Well, the connection you're, you're, you're saying is that um, God loves us so much. He's there in the midst of our pain. Yeah. Even though we can't feel him or see him at that very moment, there's something that tells us that we're not alone. I mean, just, you know, imagine all these parents who have lost their child, children, whether sickness or a violent crime or, or going to school and, and getting shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing place of despair. Yeah. But even in the midst of those, you know, the parents have talked about it is that they know that their child is, is where they need to be. They're loved, you know, and, and I think that we have to also know that we're loved too. You know, we yeah. can't, it's like one shot and you're done. You know, you're not voted off the island or, or voted sure. all out of heaven because you sinned that one time. It's the process of, of realizing that love is is a never-ending bucket of just, you know, continuation of just here, here. I love you here. Yeah. Try again. Let's, try, let's do this together. You can do this. And I think it's a great image you're painting there about the kids and the parents and stuff because, yeah. I mean, I think it helps to relate to that when we don't feel like, you know, where is, we feel like, where's God or where's Jesus in my suffering? You know, where is he? Why did he allow this? Why, why were these things happening? If he really loved me the way that he did, you know, why did, why did he let this happen? And even like you hear it in, in the recounting of the gospel, they're like, if you yeah. were only here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. Right. You could have saved him. You know, you hear uh, one of the sisters say that in the gospels to him is like, if you had been there, this wouldn't have happened. And that can sometimes be our, our yelling and our, cross and our pain and us lamenting to the Lord, like, where were you in this? But it, look, it's the same way with our own children. You know, our children make mistakes and the people we love make mistakes, our siblings, our brothers, our people we love in our life. And you're not always going to be able to keep them from making those mistakes, from, from going through those sufferings as a result of the choices they made. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're, you're not suffering any less alongside of them. You know, when your children make mistakes, I guarantee you when I went to jail, my dad was suffering. When my dad saw what had happened in my life, my dad was sitting there suffering every bit as much as I was in that jail cell, right? When Jacob does things that I can't help really get him out of, and there is no choice other than to to just feel his pain and be right there alongside him and go, I know it hurts, but it won't always hurt. You know, when, when my mother died, you know, there were a lot of people that walked alongside me, Angela being first and foremost one of them that... Like, I can't make it go away, but I'm here. And and even if it's just for me to cry with you, to grieve with you, to suffer with you, that's sometimes what the Lord gives us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't end there. I mean, he, he not only, you know, he weeps a couple times in the Gospels. And, of course, he weeps here for Lazarus, but he also weeps over Jerusalem. You know, and I think it ties back to what we're talking about here, too. And, you know, it says in that in that part of the Gospels, that's actually in Luke, you know, 19... Um, I think it's in a couple different parts of Luke, but, but he says, uh, I don't have the exact verses in front of us, but he, he says this, he's, as he's going to Jerusalem and he's looking over Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who were sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not. And when he, he when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that even today you knew the things that make for peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. Again, you know, our sin, our, our choices are what allow or what caused Jesus to weep. You know, now Lazarus, we don't know what kind of life he lived. I mean, we're alluded here to Jesus weeping because it's a friend that he lost. Mm-hmm. But in this, I mean, Jesus is shedding tears for us all the time. Every time we choose to sin, every time we choose 
other things other than him and love. And when we choose ourselves over other people, Jesus is weeping. And and I think it, it, it makes, in a way, it makes him come closer to us. It makes him seem more closer to us than just this distant, again, distant judgmental God that doesn't care and is waiting up there going up. You chose wrong again. You chose wrong again. But no, he's actually there in the, me- the muck and the mess and the midst with us. And he's calling us out because his tears witness his desire for us to be more than we are, mm-hmm. right? And, and to be a God who created us and to know that we were created for more and we have the ability to be more. And the, the tears come out because we're falling short of that. And it's not tears of disappointment. It's just tears of going, man, like I know what it's like. I know the joy. I know the fulfillment. I know uh, the the abiding in my love that you can find when you come into that realization of what it means to be a man fully alive and in the realization that that's what you were designed for. And so, you know, Victor, so many times in our life when we've fallen into our brokenness or we've, we've, we've covered up our wounds and we refuse to seek healing in those things, mm-hmm. we, we sort of roll those stones over, right? And what is the first thing Jesus says to Laz, you know, to the people there at the tomb when he goes, he says, roll the stone away, move the stone. And that's what he's wishing to do in our life is, is yes, he's crying tears, but he also is saying, look, I'm here to help. I'm here to get this out of the way. I'm here to help you come out. And that's what he's saying to each and every one of us is to come out. This resurrection of Lazarus is, is to show the desire mm-hmm. that Christ has for us to be resurrected, to resurrect us into this new life that he is going to go shortly after this and make possible through his, through his own suffering and, and, and death on the cross. And resurrection is this this calling out of this place, right? In, in in a few weeks, we'll see Jesus walking out of his tomb. You know, he'll he'll resurrect himself, like God resurrects him. But now he, we see this illustrated before, and this is actually the cause of why he's going to his cross, is because he's calling someone else out and the witness of others that this doesn't have to be the end. That death doesn't win. Death isn't the end. And these choices and these sins that you've made don't have to be the last page in your book and the story of your life. That Jesus stands before us and wants us to roll away, to help roll away the stones of those things because we have to give him permission to do that. right? We have to say, Lord, I want you to come into this empty tomb where I've put myself in this place of, of pain and sorrow and longing and, and, and death and sin. I want you to come into it and bring me out of it. Mm-hmm. But it takes our, it takes our permission you know, and it sounds bad to say that, like we have to give God permission, but that's who He is. He's not going to, to, to come down and yank us out of there without our, without our yes, without our, our asking, without our crying out for Him to do so. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think that these tears are because Jesus sees. I don't want my friend to die. I want him to be alive, fully alive, and that's the same thing that He wants for each and every one of us. Well, you know, going back to the two um, examples you did about when Jesus wept, obviously yeah. one. I love that because God, you know, Jesus is showing his vulnerability. Yeah. He's saying, I am I am similar to you in some form. I'm fully human, fully divine. So I, I get it. I know it's not easy being down here. I know it's not easy suffering. But there's a purpose and reason for everything. And you can't see it, but you will eventually. And the other part is when, you know, Jesus weeps for Jerusalem because he can't resurrect Jerusalem. You know, it's set in stone. Jerusalem is where what it is. He He came to save but they wouldn't listen to him. So he said, okay, is it passed on to the Gentiles, you know? And I think that's probably where he was hurt 
more so, and I don't want to read it in the gospel, but I think, you know, the fragrance, as, as uh, our friend Bill says, the fragrance in the gospel's teaching or smelling, no, you can, you can reach it, and it's yeah. becoming real, is that he weeped, I think, really much more in his heart because Jerusalem, he just couldn't wake him up. Yeah. He couldn't bring him to, to what, this is, I could bring you peace. I could bring everything that you've been wanting for all these generations, but yet you don't know how to do it. Or you, you're not capable of it. You're not wanting to do it. Right. And it's, I mean, it does, there's a lot of scholars and a lot of things that say that he's sitting there, um, you know, sorrowful over the sins of the past and the sins yeah. of the future of the things that are going to come. And, and I mean, he says that, you know, he says, and, and, you know, Oh, how I would have gathered your children together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even if you know the things that make for peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. Right. And these are, this is him, you know, just pouring his heart out for us. And, and it should show us and, and illustrate his desire for us to be one with him and to be a man fully alive. And so I just think that quote goes so well. And Father Gallagher was, you know, it was really a divine moment for him to use that quote in speaking about this coming out of Lazarus and this mm-hmm. resurrection, because it's what has to happen in every one of our lives. And as we get closer next week to walk in this passion with Jesus, these sorrows, these torments, these these places of brokenness, this woundedness, we need to allow him in this week coming towards that to roll that stone back in our life because his desire above all is to for us to become fully alive. Now, Victor, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That's not some, you know, skipping through the trees process for a lot mm-hmm. of us, right? I mean, even in my own life, that 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 coming into being closer to be a man fully alive, right? I'm not in heaven yet, so I'm not fully alive, but I'm moving closer in that direction, I would hope, in my life was very painful. It was very painful. And it still sometimes continues to be painful because we're, we're still, it's that stretching, right? It's that, that, that what Jesus asked of us is not easy, as we've right. said. It's hard. And so we're constantly being stretched. And, and so as we walk closer to, to, to Palm Sunday and into Jesus' passion next week, like, I think we're being asked to say, like, do I want to be a man fully alive? Because most of us right now, we don't feel that way. We feel dead in some ways. And then we look and we examine those places where we feel dead. We see spots within us where we know we have issues and problems in our life that need to be healed, that need to be fixed, that need to be to be poured into by the mercy of God. But again, like we can't we we can't expect that healing to happen when we're on the when we're on the defensive mm-hmm. and when we're building these walls up. And so we've got to give Jesus permission between now and next week to roll the stones back in our life, the places we, the stones we put there ourselves to keep things out and to protect ourselves and to live in those places of hurt that we've got to roll those out of the way with his help and become a man fully alive. And what that looks like, I mean, cause people will say, well, what is, you know, what does that look like for a man to become fully alive? Well, you know, to me, it's someone who's encountered the risen Lord and has allowed his mercy and forgiveness to give them a new heart. You know, we hear about that in Ezekiel 36, 26 in the Old Testament is I will give you a new heart, right? I want to, I will remove this heart of stone and place within you a heart of flesh. That's the desire of our God. And again, I believe that's why the tears come is when we don't allow him to do that in our lives. And he's pouring out because he loves us so much, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just like the two thieves that we'll see on the cross, you know, he rejoiced over the one that, that you know, today you will be with me in heaven. And you can't tell me that his heart didn't break for the other one that refused to repent. Right, because he knew that that he was going to be lost, and and so those tears that you see for Lazarus, the tears for J- Jerusalem, show us that we have a loving God that wants nothing more than for us to come into this realization that there is more for us, and that His desire is for us to become that more. 
So I believe it's it's someone who allows him to perform heart surgery that allows him to just say, okay, I'm going to put you on the table, right? And I'm going to start to open you up and I'm going to start to do the things. And then none of it's going to, I mean, anybody's had open heart surgery, it hurts during the process and it hurts afterwards, right? It's a long process of healing. That's what it's going to be for us, but it starts by simply allowing and, and signing the waiver, if you will, when you go to the doctor and saying, yes, I'll allow you to do these things to me and giving Jesus that permission in our life. You know, it's also a man fully alive as someone who's begun to willingly do away with selfishness and selfishness and self-centeredness, right? Where we're actively choosing the good of the other and loving other in a profound way, others in a profound way. You know, where you see that transition of life's about me and my wants and my desires and what I can amass and scratching my itches and, and doing all those things and moving away from that into this resurrected life of I've got to go live for others now. You see it in the apostles you know, as, as they breathe the Holy Spirit on them and they go out and they're no longer afraid and they're going out and living contrary to the world and they're pouring themselves out and putting themselves in harm's way and throwing caution to the wind and dying to themselves because they know what it means to truly be alive and truly and to truly live is to go and live for others. So that's where you start seeing the signs of a man becoming fully alive is when you start to see that turn of the evidence of a man's life, not just words, right, but indeed, um, You know, someone who's come to realize you know, what's been done for them, that this has become real, that what Jesus is about to do in the next week has become real in my life, that it's not just some, some, you know, thing that I go through for, you know, the next week and a half of my life, but tying ourselves to it. And I think Jesus's tears, you know, with Lazarus and with Jerusalem and all these things are an invitation for us to draw near to him during his passion, especially in the torturous parts of his passion and in the crucifixion to come close as Mary did, as John did, as the others did at the foot of the cross, to 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 weep with him, right? And to, and to experience these pains and these torments and these tortures in our own hearts and to not just not just let it be something in a movie or something that we kind of, you know, close our eyes or zone out to when it's being read at Mass in the next week or so, but actually allowing ourselves to feel that suffering the way that Christ is allowing himself to feel our suffering. And in that, that's what's going to help us realize what's been done for us and want us to, to give our life in return, to, to, to give our backs, if you will, to the lashes of life and, and the things that, that the devil throws at us to, to die to self, to go and live for others, especially our wives, our children, and those closest, our children's, our children and those closest to us, our children's. Uh, but, you know, also someone who realizes the point of this life is to become a gift to everybody around us. Not just those that it's easy to do for our family and our kids and our wife, but those around us in our 10-foot radius. You know, oftentimes we feel like, how do I go out and live for Jesus out there? But a lot of times Jesus is saying, like, look closer, much closer to where you actually are. And so I think someone who's living fully alive is someone who realizes that I need to start becoming a gift to everybody around me. And then, in short, it, it, it's someone who's putting God first in every aspect of their life that's realized that living for God is truly living in every aspect of my life. There's no more compartmentalization. There's no more parts of my life that God isn't allowed to be Lord over. And look, that's in spite of your imperfections and struggles. A man fully alive here on this earth doesn't mean that it's a man that doesn't continue to struggle because the more alive you become, the more the devil puts a target on your back and the more more snares and things like that he's going to put out there for you and, and, and against you. But being a man fully alive realizes that, is a man who realizes that no matter how I struggle, no matter how I fall, I get up just like cross, cross, just like Christ will get up next week 
and his stumbles and his falls. He keeps his eyes on what the Lord, what his father has in front of him and the call of his life. And he continues to get up. He stumbles and he gets up and he stumbles and he gets up and he stumbles and he gets up because what's important to him is, is and more than anything is doing the will of his father. And that's a man fully alive is one of us that realize that realizes what God's will for us is, is to bring ourselves and as many people as we can closer to him so that we can get to heaven and we can become saints. And we continue to do that no matter what life throws at us and no matter how hard it gets. And just like this podcast today, I could have called you five times and said, Victor, I just, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm not, we're not going to do one this week. People can, you know, we're just going to do without and we'll try to, we'll, we'll punt and come next week. But something within me and in, in, in the echoes of Angela and the prayers of our brothers when I reached out said, no, don't take the easy way out. Do what's hard. And this podcast may be the worst one we've ever done. It may suck and people may go, man, what a, what a whiff after the home run last week. But it is what it is. It's about showing up and allowing the Lord to pour out. And I hope that our example of that this week in the show, but also just in the way that we're trying to live our lives and in mm-hmm. the communications with the folks that are paying attention to this ministry, continue to allow them to give that same hope and that same desire to them to become a man fully alive, somebody on fire for Jesus that's putting him first, that realizes we have a Lord that that is weeping for us and waiting for us to 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 take that step and trust to become that man that he believes we could fully be. So, Victor, I mean, as we come to a close here, do you have any final thoughts on any of that? Uh, just be real and um, vulnerable. That's kind of what uh, I think we need to work on. So, Yeah, the Lord is – we will see him in the next week mm-hmm. become the most vulnerable person that's ever lived, giving yeah. all in that crucifix with his arms stretched out wide, unable to give anything more than he has, giving every single thing down to the drop, very drops of his blood, what is poured out of his side and through his back and everything mm-hmm. else that happens. And he's inviting us this week to these places where we have entombed ourselves, these places where we've locked ourselves in, these places where we're, we're shutting the light out of our life, to simply just to realize that God doesn't care about the stench, right? He doesn't care about the stench of our lives and where we have allowed ourselves to get. He looks at it, even when one of the sisters says there will be a stench, he doesn't, he doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't care. He just looks at that stone and says, roll the stone away and says, Lazarus, come out. And that's what he's saying to us. Victor, come out. Angela, come out. John, come out. Whoever's listening to this show, come out. Come out of those places. Join me this week. Take all these places that you're ashamed of, all these places that you're you're hurting. Tie them to my passion. Tie them. Walk alongside me on this journey that we're going to walk next week. And place them at the foot of my cross. Place them there and allow me to heal them the way my Father is going to allow me to endure what I'm going to go through. Allow my Father to heal you and allow you to the, the strength to go through the things you need to go to to get to the place you need to be, which is becoming a man fully alive. So, Victor, let's take that to prayer. And for all you folks out there, just know it's possible for you as we pray this prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, it blows my mind every time I think that we have a God that weeps with us and for us. It's incredible to reflect on how overwhelming your love for us truly is. Help us to understand that your tears flow from your desire to see us healed and living a resurrected life. And Lord, whenever we feel far from you, or that we feel that you may not sympathize with where we are in our pain, remind us that your greatest desire for us is to become fully alive, and that the way that happens is through walking and tying our pain and struggle to yours, so that you can heal it and bring us into that realization of a resurrected life. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. 
To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.